It is Saturday, March 25th, 2017. This is Room in the Trees, a podcast about duck runs. <laughs> totally duck runs. The following was recorded on March 16th, 2017. This is episode number 38, 16 Unit Birdhouse. Room in the Trees is hosted by Sabrina Harrison and me, Trent Reynolds. Show notes, including pictures, links, video, and more for every episode can be found at roominthetrees.com. If you like this podcast, please consider showing your support. You can become a subscribing patron at patreon.com forward slash room. Please rate us or write a review on iTunes. It helps us reach a wider audience. And you share with a friend. The t-shirts totally rock. I have got to say, I got mine last week. Julia did a fantastic job of designing and getting it all up. Yes, thank you, Julia. Thank, thank you, thank Julia. You. She's been interning for us for the last few months. So this week, friends, we are talking to Lori. Who you heard about last week episode. Yes. It was a fantastic conversation. I felt like I could, you know, we could have talked for another two hours. I was thrilled that he joined us and um, just, I love laughing together and, and um, having your, the first friend uh, he was introduced to of mine. So it's really fun to, to feel that connection happening. It's great. Thank you, Corey. Oh, he built a barn and a duck run. And (laughs) And he's 6'4". And he's 6'4". He's a great, great person, and I'm very grateful he's in my life. And uh, here you go. All right, are you ready for this? I can't tell. It's on Wikipedia, so this could be entirely nonsense. But flibberty gibbet is a Middle English word referring to a flighty or whimsical person. Usually a lot... Bear with me. Um, usually a young woman, in modern use, it is used as a slang term, especially in Yorkshire, for a gossipy or overly talkative person. Okay, so I completely <laughs> misused the word. And I, I thought you were going to say it was like a leprechaun or something. Well, no. There's a partial truth there, maybe. <laughs> I would not dis- dismiss it entirely. Well, you can say that. I can't. So. <laughs> well, nice to introduce you guys. Nice to introduce you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yes, nice to meet you, Corey. It's good to hear your voice instead of trading emails. Thank you for uh, having me on. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to it. How's your day going, Trent? Um, I just uh, ran in from dropping by the new studio space and... Uh, so I'm, that's, my brain's kind of transitioning from thoughts yeah. of uh, shelving and lighting and stuff like that. It's been a good day. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yes, it is exciting. I can't wait. Trent, can I ask you a question? Please. Uh, you know, I've, I've listened to some of your episodes, and what I'm curious about is where I can see your paintings and, and, or the media or what it is that you do, because... Um, Sabrina shared a few of them with me, and, and I have to say they're quite impressive. And I just well, was curious you. if you had a, a, a website or a location or, or someplace where I could look at them. And I guess it's a cliche. I need to update my website. Um, but it is Trenton Reynolds. My full name is Trenton, T-R-E-N-T-O-N-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. Okay. 
com. Cool. I will absolutely check that out. Thank you. <laughs> Please do. So I, um, I've been editing the last week's episode all day today. So in listening to that, listening to your guys's, what's the right word there? Your guys's is not a word. It's, That's and it's true. Not y- it's not y'all's. Y'all's. <laughs> in listening to yorn. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of the word. But in listening to the way that you guys met, um, oh my god, yeah. I, I had a bunch of a bunch of questions come up, and I'm totally blanking on them now. So maybe as we uh, as we start well, talking, it, it'll come back. Okay, Trent. Oh, so Corey, you heard it. We played it. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe th- th- that's that's where to start. I think is is. I think we have to give Corey his, his due uh, opportunity to, to represent himself as, as he would. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's remarkable. I did hear it one time, and, and I can say that I've never heard myself talked about quite like that, like with another friend. It almost kind of felt like eavesdropping, but um, I had a very large smile on my face throughout most of it. And it, it, it's interesting to, that we shared the same space in the same moment that actually this moment lasted three hours, three and a half hours, and neither one of us actually knew that it that long had elapsed. And yeah. one of the things that Sabrina talked about was when she walked into um, where we were, a place called Alchemy, somewhere that I had never been. And she had not never been either, so we were both in a new place and didn't know what to expect. And I just I was there a little bit early and trying to f- try. I was really trying to figure out where I could strategically sit to look cool. Do you know what I mean? And that 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 was not working at all. And so I just decided I'm going to stand here. And I tried to get a I tried to get a waitress to help me, and and that was actually a, a recurring theme throughout the evening. Yeah, the is sort of. Yeah, maybe not. You know, I don't know. And uh, could you could you describe the posture that you were uh, trying to achieve in in looking cool? Was, well, is I, weight uh, is weight more on one leg than the other? And is a hand in pocket? Are you leaning against a wall? Yeah, you know, no. Really, what it was is I was standing in the middle of this room, and that's that. That's where I found myself, and I was literally, and I'm standing there in my North Face jacket with my, you know, shirt untucked, and I'm questioning every fashion decision that I've made in this, as well as the rationality of of online dating in general, which, you know, is a whole other story. But I turn around, and the bell rings, I believe, over the door, and in walks this person that I've talked to once for less than 10 minutes on the phone, and... um, I pretty much did what I'm doing now, which is I, everything sort of stopped. And, um, and then the fear starts. And then, <laughs> and then you kind of just step forward and you, you remember that you need to breathe in and out. That's how this works. And, <laughs> and I walked up to her. And as I got closer to Sabrina, um, I saw a look on her face that I, I only could really attribute to great confusion, almost like she had watched someone crash into a wall. And, and I wasn't sure. I, I really wasn't sure if she had just seen something outside or if, if it was me. And 
every sort of self-doubt, bad inner voice suddenly was like, this is your moment, Corey. Here's a significant learning opportunity. And, <laughs> and, you, and, and you really need to get on the gym membership and perhaps consider cosmetic surgery. And, and, and so, you know, this all happens in the blink of an eye. But, but then I, you know, I said, you know, I said, hi. Um, she said, I'm Sabrina, I'm Corey. And, and I said, are you okay? And she's... She's looking at me and she is having, she's having trouble breathing too. And I'm like, is this something about this room? And, um, and, and then she, sa she says to me in this small voice, you're so normal. And, <laughs> and again, you know, I'm kind of like, this is not exactly what I expected to have happen. And, and so, you know, we're like, we're looking at each other and I realized that maybe we, she should get out of the doorway and I should stop standing in the middle of the doorway. And, and, um, and I ask her, where would you like to sit? And she's, again, it's taking a little bit of time to process the answer to that question. And, and oh, would you like to sit at the bar? And she's like, I don't care. And I was like, no, we don't want to sit at the bar. And I was like, would you like to sit at a table? And she said, sure. And, but her answer was more of like one of aggravation. And I was like, oh, wow. What <laughs> did I get myself into yet again? And, and anyway, we, found, we, we threaded our way back to the back of, uh, to a corner. Because I wanted to, I want, I did want, I wanted to sit down. So my side, I, maybe I shared that in the previous story, but I was just looking at him going, I wanted to sit. I just wasn't know how to like assert. Like I just yes, I want to go back to that cozy booth in the back and sit beside you. <clears throat> and I didn't know any of this. I I wasn't. I, I well, really wasn't. I, of course. Not. I I really wasn't quite sure what was happening, and and that kind of lasted a little while. But um, but yeah. So we sat down and and um, we started talking and. How did yeah. the conversation lead into uh, stories of barn building? Because I don't think you could have known that that was a important uh, <laughs> detail. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, add it to the great cosmic list. I, I just, it's sort of this <laughs> remarkable set of, of, uh, Really, yeah. I run out of. I, I, you know what I'm saying, Sabrina. It's, it's sort of, how how did we get to that place? I think, um, I think you asked, did you ask me, or I told you about when I was in the Pacific Northwest and um, some of the things that I've done and built and, and did, or how did we get to that place? Something about the. I don't know. Something about what we loved, or <laughs> I, I don't even know. Something, something. <laughs> but it was exciting. <laughs> well, you, you because it shared... wasn't connected to your job or anything. It was completely separate. Yeah, so no, I'm not it, sure it, how we got there. Yeah. Well, you you had talked. I think you were talking about how you really wanted to have a big space for a studio, yeah. and that you, yeah. you you had talked about what you had in San Francisco, and you know I hadn't seen pictures or anything. We'd known each other for probably thirty minutes, and then you know I'm an I'm an extrovert, which I have actually. Been learning a great deal about the differences <laughs> between introverts and extroverts, and uh, um, it's been quite enlightening. But no, so to, I mean, I I've built barns, I've built chicken coops, uh, duck runs, I've run I don't know how many acres of fencing by myself, and um, I, don't ask me how. I just like watch a video, read a book, and uh, do it. You know. Well, it, why? 
why? Yeah. Why? Well, you know. I mean, you're you're talking you're talking about this like it's you know something that everybody would would expect to do during a lifetime, but. <laughs> Well, I've never, I've never thought or considered even you know, building a, a duck run for, for example. Dude, I will, I, I, I will, I will totally do that with you. I mean, I, I love. I doing would love that. to. That's the no, thing. I'm serious, is that, man. I like, wouldn't even I... think about that, but I would love to. Of course, I heard that, and I'm like, yes, yes, I want to build a duck run. Are you kidding me? To me, that's the most brilliant thing in the world, and, and I think maybe it has to do with what I do for a living which is I spend 40 hours a week making something that doesn't really exist. It kind of exists, but it never really ends. It, it's always kind of in a perpetual state of undoneness. And um, for me, getting out of that sense of, you know, it's, it's, it's Word documents and, and, and Visio process flows and testing scenarios and all of these things uh, that go into what I do, to be able mm. to, to, to put on a pair of Carhartts and a pair of muck boots and stomp around in the mud listening to the Grateful Dead with a hammer in my hand and like a pocket full of nails and spend a couple hours nailing things together and then to step back and go, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, to me, this it's just incredibly gratifying, especially when it serves a purpose. And like with you, you, you want a deck or you want shelving. It's like, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's magnificent and it's this sense of accomplishment that it's a tangible physical thing that exists and I'm, and I don't know maybe you guys get that from what you do with your art or your painting or your you know your drawing and your photography but for me it's it's this it's this sense of I am doing what I think as a human being that um, the human condition is to create and that may be in an artistic form it may be in a culinary form it may be in the form of caregiving and raising children or being you know part of a tribe or whatever it is but to create a structure and something that has utility and stands through countless say winters in the Pacific Northwest or, or here mm -hmm. in, in Wisconsin you know I don't know why but that it's just I take a great deal of pride in those types of things mm -hmm. so that's something that comes up the word physicality um, and Sabrina it's it, that word I, I found it interesting because it's not one that I had really thought of in in relation to art before mm -hmm. but it's something that Sabrina would bring up regularly and so I've just had more opportunity to, to consider it and I think I, I think there is something about our physical existence us having bodies and existing in three-dimensional space that when we create other other physical objects, you know, it's kind of an affirmation of our existence. It's a, uh, it's there's something more concrete, I think, to that to that thing. You know, the, there's the substance is is just as important, perhaps, as uh, the content or you know what it means. Well, and sort of the process. I mean, you know, I mean, For I'm sure, sure. With, with when you all, you have, what media you decide to do it in, what format, the place, the ambiance, the, you know, what drives you creatively. And it's like, for me, I want to build a birdhouse. I want to make some ridiculously elaborate thing, you know, just, and, and which barely has utility and, but, but looks really cool. And, you know, and, and I've been thinking about this because one thing in, in, in being with Sabrina is I watch her her aesthetic sense and how she she creates things and and I'm only just scratching the surface in this but I'm thinking I can't wait to make a birdhouse and then have her turn it into a piece of artwork because then you have this mm. this wonderful synergy of something that has utility and yet will endure but then becomes this incredibly expressive artistic element as well 
you know, hmm. and and. Um, well, see, there there is something that's interesting to me in that um, where you say something that barely has utility, mm-hmm. and in in the profile that that Sabrina read, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I hate going to hold back you. To the, <laughs> back to that. So, well, I was waiting for it, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on my mind because I've been listening to it today, but. Um, and it's not fair to to, you know, no, to bring a, this up with it's when it's okay. not on your mind. But um, but you talk about things that you don't like, yeah. and I'm I'm forgetting the words that you use. But uh, it's, you know, inefficiency was was um, it was um, it, it was actually needless complexity. Needless complexity. Yeah, I love there that. there it is. So and I'm not trying to say that they're the same thing. But I how would you um, a, something's lack of utility. Is, so, and needless complexity. I guess that's how would you differentiate between the two? So, so I, I one time made a birdhouse that was literally four, four feet tall because I had scraps of lumber, and it was like a sixteen birdhouse condominium. You know what I mean? And wow. and, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I'm. I, why am I doing this? And it's like, well, because it's there. And, and it's like, because I've never bur- built a four foot 16, <laughs> bur- 16 unit birdhouse before. And, 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 and then I'm like, you know, and I like it. And I do this thing where it's like, I go in, you know, in the back of the shelves where I have all this paint, which is maybe as old as I am. And God knows, you know, what it actually looks like, but it's like, I'm just going to start doing this and I'm going to start putting it together and I'm going to see where this thing goes. And, and, you know, I do it and I make it and it, it has absolutely no purpose. Like maybe two birds, because of how the nature of birds might nest and never talk to each other, you know, it'd be it'd be a very it, it would it would be a very tense situation, especially when there's babies. But you know, I'll look out there and I'll say like, you know, hey, have you checked out my four foot ridiculous birdhouse? There, there's, you know, and and I just you know, it's just like. I don't know. I really like taking scraps, like scraps of wood and trying to figure out what can I make with this? Because this is a throwaway. This is something that, you know, it sits in a bucket and, and what am I going to do with this prop up a chair table in a leg or something? And mm. well, how can I fit this into something so that it's, it's almost like, I don't even know what I want to do with it. I want these materials and these loose items that I have rattling around to come in to make something. And it may be utterly ridiculous, but it's like, you know, maybe some woodland creature will think it's cool and <laughs> be like, Corey, you're like the coolest dude ever. Thank you for building me this Taj Mahal or whatever it is. You know what I mean? This is just like... I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this really flamboyant, ambitious bird that just wants more rooms. You know, it's like... <laughs> I just yeah, need a bigger <laughs> space. That's right. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the Zsa, Zsa Gabor of the bird world moving into my wood scrap birdhouse. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't mean to get all like left fieldy about it, but it's kind of like, you, you know, you have a shop and you end up with all these pieces of uh, in odd shapes and sizes. And, and it's like, it's maybe it goes back to being a kid and playing with Legos or playing. My grandfather made me a, a set of blocks when I was a boy and sanded them all by hand and gave them to me one time. And, and I treasured those things and they were pieces of baseboard or, you know, two by four, all these different odds and ends of just things that he had 
had rattling around in his garage. And, and you know, this guy, he's out there and he literally, he was sanded everything by hand and uh, stained it and varnished it. And he gave it to like a seven-year-old boy. And it, there's something incredibly touching about that, that, I mean, I get that. It, it, and maybe I'm indirectly channeling that with, with how I like to take scraps, you know? I mean, I'm the type of guy where, you know, one of the things about living in Madison, especially about when the college uh, season mm -hmm. turns over is that you literally don't need to go shopping for furniture. You just roll up. Yeah. And I mean, I have an Oak bookcase, um, that I helped someone move out of their stairs cause I was driving by, hit the brakes, left my car in the middle of the road with the flashers <laughs> on, ran out and said, are you throwing that away? And they're like, yeah. And I said, I will absolutely take this and brought it home and, 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 <laughs> Now it's in my dining room and it looks great. And, and, but you know, you can drive around and find all of these things. I just found materials and you can do like incredible things. Now I live in an apartment now as opposed to a house with acres. And so that's rather prohibitive as to the amount of crap that I can, you know, store reasonably without attracting vermin or creating a fire hazard. And, and so that's curtailed one of my hobbies, but uh, yeah. <laughs> how on earth did you guys find each other? This is like uncanny. How, how, in line just the way your minds work that i know it's just unreal unreal well it's, it's interesting that you say that because i i haven't really met any of sabrina's friends yet except for you so it, this is sort of a an mm -hmm. interesting You're feedback the first friend, well i don't yeah. i don't know if i'm very representative of a well of you know whole, me pretty well we've whole, had, <laughs> that's true we've that's had true. a lot of conversations so yeah <clears throat> we've We've discussed thoroughly Sabrina's finds on the street <laughs> yep. on the podcast. Well, it's and not just it's not. But but there's something more than the practicality of finding yeah. something used. It's like there's something deeply meaningful about that process. You know, yeah. it's, there's a joy in that that I don't think it, it transcends, you know, just being glad you found a, something that you could use. Yeah. You know, that. You see its potential, what it can become. That's that exactly, and that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm hearing, and you're you, you know talking about scraps and odds and ends that you find in the workshop, and being able to see some kind of potential in it or a desire to redeem something that's a cast off. You know that, um, man, that is just like every conversation that we have on this podcast. I think it was yeah. the podcast where you were speaking with your friend who had repurposed the shovel into a jewelry in in your situation. Like, do you, um, do you find yourself recycling things with art or, or like you had talked about all this mixed media and things like that? Mm. I definitely not quite in the way that, that I think you two do, but, but something in the way that you're talking about your process, uh, resonates. I'm just not exactly quite sure how. I think I do, uh, uh, maybe similarly in repurposing um, imagery, hmm. I imagery that feels like, like cast off or superfluous or ephemeral or, you know, like, and trying to rarefy it or make it or imbue it with some kind of importance or meaning or validate its existence or, you know, I don't know. I'm, I, this is like, I'm, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think a little bit more about that, but, but no, I don't, I, I don't, for instance, find, um, objects and then want to 
bring them into some kind of installation or, or sculpture, for example. You'd like to go to the container store and buy little things like that. <laughs> I okay. do, I do. That's and I was, I was going to mention that, but it felt like such a, a not at all ex- like what you guys do. But, but I do I like, a, like a shelf that I have. Um, and then I move to a different space, uh, like imagining all the options of shelving that I have in my arsenal mm-hmm. and how they might fit and work uh, in a, for a different purpose or maybe be reorganized mm-hmm. in a way that's uh, suited to the new space. I do like I do like that, but that's not quite the same thing. I'm, I'm just going to validate your, your like and need of the <laughs> container store. I will say that. <laughs> Has, has, has someone who is tired of trying to find a two and a half inch deck screw mixed in with 10,000 other sizes of every other type screw, yeah. I, am a co- I am a convert to the need to have those things in their own little place. I'm just going to say that. So. Yep. Yep. Do you, the read one of the, do you want to read one of the, the quotes, Corey? Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about <laughs> that. Well, so you, I got an email saying that both of you had saved these quotes, right, independently. Yeah, in, so in the, the beautiful, he sent me the uh, Whitman quote a couple days after we met, and not knowing that, I don't know, so you know my dad did, his first film was about Walt Whitman, and it was about Whitman coming in, you know, being this huge influence in this small town in um, London, Ontario, and so it was his his huge passion project he did in his 40s. And uh, he, in the, in the film, Whitman recites this exact quote, and it's been something that's just sort of an anthem in our family and my dad and the influence. And Corey sends this exact, the exact lines to me saying, uh, and I thought maybe, okay, may, I'm giving, you know, okay, maybe just by chance he saw it online today. He just thought this sounds good. I'll send it to her. And I'm like, wow, okay. But he's, I, I, so I said, he said, yeah, this has been a real, Whitman's been a real <clears throat> influence on me growing up. And I, you know, him not, he not knowing anything about that, how, how much Whitman is a part of my life. And the beginning of Spelling right. Open starts with that Whitman, a Whitman quote. So, so why don't you read the quote? Sure. <clears throat> this is what you shall do. Love the earth and the sun and the animals. Despise riches. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and the crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not concerning God. Have patience and indulgence toward the people. Take your hat off to nothing known or unknown or to any man or number of men. Go freely with powerful, uneducated persons and with the young and the mothers of families. Read these leaves in the open air every season of every year of your life. Re-examine all of you have been told at school or church or in any book. Dismiss whatever insults your own soul, and your very flesh shall be a great poem and have the greatest fluency, not only in its words, but in the silent lines of its lips and face and between the lashes of your eyes and in every motion and joint of your body. Walter Whitman. I wrote that in a journal uh, when I was 17 or 18, and I remember, for me, it was one of these things where every time I had to save up money because I wanted to buy a good book, a nice book, to to write down all of my complicated teenage boy 
things. And this, I remember finding this Whitman quote, and and um, on the opposite side of it was actually the the Jack London quote that I had um, sent you as well. And I thought that there was an interesting counterpoint to these two things mm. because I don't think they're two entirely different sentiments. You know, perhaps one is uh, maybe more from the extrovert perspective, um, and and maybe one is more from an introvert perspective. Mm. But um, mm. but I think the sentiment. It, to me, I read it as being this Whitman quote, as well as the Jack London quote, um, to be very highly aligned. Hmm. Can you, you want to read you that? One? The, yeah. yeah, Jack Lennon. Are you sure one of you guys don't want to read it? Yeah. Your voice is great. Yeah. Or do you want to read it, Sabrina? Sure. No, okay. I don't. No, I want. To, you know, you read it. <laughs> I would rather I, be. <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, you'd rather on. be asked. <laughs> What are you? What? what are <laughs> no, I just don't want to monopolize your podcast. Oh. That's no, all. Not at all. All right. Okay. No. All right. I would rather be ashes than dust. I would rather that my spark should burn out in a brilliant blaze than it should be stifled by dry rot. I would rather be a superb meteor, every atom of me in magnificent glow, than a sleepy and permanent planet. The proper function of man is to live not to exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. This is Jack London. And that's a guy who, uh, he lived an incredibly amazing life and he was actually Hemingway's chief inspiration for becoming a writer. Mm. And um, regrettably, Jack lived a very hard living lifestyle and lived well beyond perhaps what was <laughs> uh, he should have. And uh, with his drinking and how he lived and, and died when he was 40 years old. Um, and, uh, but the sentiment behind this, if you take away perhaps the substance abuse is, um, I, again, I just see it, this incredible alignment with what Whitman says and with this, because they're essentially the same sentiment is that if you have, if you have a sense of being part of a community and you know what good is and, and good with a big G, uh, like my old Eastern uh, religions and philosophy professor used to say, um, then then the, the two sentiments are the same. You would you would live that that passionate life, and take joy in the things that Whitman says, and delight in in the conflict that you create in yourself by doing them. Hmm. You know. Sabrina, or maybe that's just, yeah, no, that's well said. S Sabrina, what is uh, how would you describe what what uh, the poem means to you? Well, <clears throat> my dad read me a lot. You can imagine how much these, these sort of sing. I re-listened to the episodes with my dad the other day. And this, like I was definitely raised, you know, being read Jack London uh, when I was young and by my dad. And, um, I didn't know I feel that. like it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just, it just keeps coming. Um, <laughs> keeps coming. Of course it does. Why? Yeah. Yep. Of course. Yep. Of course it does. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um. Um. So, it just feels like what I, it was. What I was raised to believe in. You know, it's exactly. It's like it's the it's the anthem of what anthem of childhood and and becoming myself and what I was raised to. to to do in the world and raised the way I was raised to live. And I feel like I've 
those were the directions I was given by my family. And uh, I, I really, I really took those to heart. And I think I, I have lived my life according to them hmm. for the most part. Um, so I, I, I resonate with them and I, I, when I hear them, I feel, um, just a deep, a resonance with, um, the, the, the things I'm committed to about living my life. Well, let me, uh, I'd like to share something that I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to give voice to it as well as I'd like to, but there, mm -hmm. there was special meaning to me in this, uh, this Jack London quote when I read, um, the proper function of man is to live, not to exist. Yes. I, um, I come from a family where my dad's a doctor. I have two brothers that are doctors. And so that's kind of a, a comparison that I'm constantly making, you know, the, uh, uh, the nobility of the medical professions, you know, of, of saving life is kind of irrefutable, right? Like you, you, you cannot deny the importance of that profession or the val the, the, the importance of that profession to society. Um, I found myself talking to one of my brothers who was a doctor um, one time, and and I remember saying something like, so that's what you, all you do all day is save, save people's lives. And I said that, and we let it sit. He, he kind of had a dumbfounded look on his face, like, yes, of course, idiot, you know? Like, and, and it sounded like such a stupid thing to say in the moment, like, like as if that's not enough, you know, to spend your days saving people's lives. <laughs> but I think, but I think what I was, the the sentiment or the thing that I was trying to express is that what I value in the path that I've chosen is, is that what I bring to people or what I get to be participate in in every day is not the maintenance of life, mm. but but the living of it. Do you do you understand mm -hmm. what I what I mean by that? In through your teaching. Yeah, through uh, well, just being participating in yeah. in art making and creation, right? Yeah. So when I see, I get to be there when somebody discovers something new, or they see a new possibility or potential, or they uh, make some kind of connection with a new technique or medium that they feel uh, communicates something about themselves that they weren't able to to yeah. express before. You know. Um, anyway, so I, I I don't, and I'm not saying that that's any more valuable or or better than saving lives, but I think, uh, it's a difference in, I don't know. It, I see what I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. Actually, it's like but. the saying, yeah, it's like, you're not yeah, saving, a, you're helping a life actually live. Yeah. It's like yeah. It, there's, and I think what I, what I guess I'm getting at is, is it, this is probably me trying to justify the decisions I've made in my life and, and the having to constantly compare them to you know, my, my brothers and my dad trying to make sense of, well, is what I'm doing worthwhile when I can, when, you know, you point at their, what they're doing with their lives is obviously, you know, has value and is important. Um, but I guess this is what, this is the difference to me is like art making is about living. It's about creating. It's a, and, and, and being a doctor is about maintaining life or preserving uh -huh. life. And they're, they're both important. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I interrupted you, and, and I'm an extrovert, and I'm going to apologize for that. So, um, no, no, no. I'm I wanted, just talking. I get in these circles uh, where I just keep no. Talking you, about the you, same you, thing. you, 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 you. What you said really struck something in me, and it's something I, it's, it's. I, I've worked in healthcare for the last decade, and I am in hospitals and clinics, and 
um, I'm in sensitive places within those installations. And I remember this very, very clearly. Um, I was in Seattle, and of course it was raining because it's winter, and I was at one of the medical centers, and I sat down in the waiting room area, the general waiting room area that was right near where oncology is, and I observed a couple that were probably in their 50s or 60s, and there was a man reading a book and, and reading it very softly, and, and I don't know what it was, but he was, it could have been something like Nicholas Sparks. I mean, it didn't really matter what the, the book was, but his wife um, was very obviously undergoing chemotherapy, and she was weeping and, and nauseous and rocking back and forth, and he had his arm around her and was reading to her and soothing her with, with art, with words, with something that someone created. And all around us, you know, there's clinicians, there's nurses, there's doctors, and their job is to focus on treating, uh, you know, an acute situation. You know, it's you, patient encounter is over, you move on. And I was just struck by this. It, it, it stuck with me because, yes, it's true. There are doctors and there are nurses and there are surgeons and there are there are spinal specialists and um, and all these people, and they, they perform a function, and it is a, it is a wonderful, necessary function here in the 21st century. However, the thing that makes us human, and the thing that we go back to, and the thing that keeps us want to being alive, is that which we find beautiful or speaks to us. And it could be a painting, it could be listening to John Coltrane, it, it could be this book, but in that moment, when, when things are the darkest, and this couple that obviously had been together for forever, that this man would keep reading with his arm around his wife who is, you know, being sick from, from yet another round of chemotherapy, the place that they go is to that which they love and which they feel something for. Yeah. And, and, and it's art, you know, and it might be the written word. Now, you know, I don't mean to, to be maudlin or to be precious in saying that, but I, I, I say that in the sense that you know, whether it be jazz or whether it be a book or whether it be the paintings that I've bought or whatever it is, it's those are the things that bring us joy when we sit down when life has, you know, decided that it's going to completely mess with us yet again. And and those are the things that we turn to to remind us of why it's good to be alive in in our humanity. And exactly. right. you know, I mean in and I think, you know, that from my non artistically focused life i mean that that is how i view those things you know and and you know within healthcare you know it's um i don't know it's the art that sues it's the music that sues it's it's you know hmm. that that's what helps you heal the doctors help you get better but you heal yourself with mm. with art and with creativity and with that which brings you joy and 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 happiness mhm See, I, I'm interested in, um, you, you say, you said something right there and, and, and have an assumption there that I, I disagree with. And that okay. is that you don't, you're saying that you don't have an art focused <laughs> existence. Is that what you said? I can't remember exactly the wording, but you don't, but I understand that. And, and, um, I guess it's too strong to say that I disagree with it, but, um, but I do think the, the, the more that I have this, these conversations um, with you and with the others that we've, we've had on the podcast, the more I realize that, you know, I went to art school and 
obviously when you go to specialize in something, there's a lot of incentive to really define what it is that you are or, or what you're becoming, right? To make clear distinctions because it makes you feel more important, right? It separates you apart. But I think what that does is essentially it, it makes like you feel like that you didn't get training in it. So that means that you're not part of whatever that is. But I listen to you talk and I, and the way, the way that you think about materials and, and making and, you know, the, the joy and, in stomping around the mud and what have you. And I, I think that that is that more or less encapsulates what I feel art is, you know, art is not to me, what's, what brings me joy about art is, is not, you know, a traditional oil painting. I mean, there is something in that, but it's something much more general and, and human than that. Anyway, so I, I, I'm interested in this, these distinctions that we make, and I think there's purpose, there's value in them, but I also think that, uh, as we talked about in the introvert and extrovert episode, that, that they can keep, keep us from recognizing potential that we have. And um, Anyway, I think yeah. you've got a maker in you, is what I'm saying. Yep, I don't, definitely. I don't, I don't think you're that much, that far off from than, uh, Sabrina or, or myself. Well, I, I take that as high praise. Thank you. Sabrina, we've we been had, talking a lot. What do you, what you got no, going I on? Love, uh, I think I, what I thought, um, I, the, the introvert extroverted thing was really, has been really something we've been doing a deep dive into this week. I've got like 70, what I like is that, you know how Corey, Trent, you know how like I like get really into something like really like you know, go oh, deep. Yeah. With, yeah. yeah. So, Corey, I really appreciate also just like, he's all in. He's like, all right, introvert extrovert. And so I'm getting like so many emails like, seventeen ways to love an introvert, how to understand, and it's so interesting. But there's such a great feeling of like, let's learn about this. And I don't think I've ever. But one thing I've been really energized by, and I think maybe you can relate as an introvert, is previously in other relationships, I it's just not something you, you start talking about immediately. And mm -hmm. for me, having really lived my life in the past years, really on my own terms, becoming more myself and knowing myself and understanding what I want, what I value, and so on, that just speaking about, like I think as an introvert, you sort of immediately try to kind of keep up with an extrovert. Mm. And so there's something that has been really great about being curious and exploring that. And In all fairness, it's been both of us sending you sharing yes, with me introvert things. And, and then I'm taking them in and then I'm asking follow-up questions because, you know, I think there are there's spectrum to everyone, you know, and yeah. and and, um, but I I try and you know in the time we've been together, what you know what I'm what I'm recognizing is the impact I have on my surroundings, and particularly when we when we're together, and recognizing that if I slow down, I actually it actually feels fine. Do you know what I mean? And and not. Mm -hmm. I, I spend my days in sensory overload. Like I, I explain this to Sabrina. I work in like four dimensions because I, I you know, 
I don't just think about what is now. I have to think about like four forking roads in front of me, and then what, who that's going to impact, and 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 then you know it's it's uh, which is fine when you're an extrovert because it's like woohoo, you know, like let's 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 go faster, you know. But wow. um, um, then when it's done, and it's something that I've had to learn how to do just long before I met Sabrina was was how do you stop doing that because because you can't live your whole life like that i mean you can but then bad things happen and and but it's it's there's these things that i've practiced within myself just for me from self-care from a self-care standpoint as far as like you know just breathe just be just listen to coleman hawkins you know have a cheeseburger just you know slow down um you know admire the sunset and 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 what i find is interesting with sabrina is watching um how when we interact, based on the, the articles that she sent me, how if I try something new, um, that it sort of feels, it feels different, but it feels good too, because it's like, I, I don't know, it's like I'm, there's another part of me which I get to try and, 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 and use within this new scenario that that is actually much more calm and in, 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 in the moment and in mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the moment feels more meaningful. So I don't know, maybe that's obvious to an introvert, but uh, to someone who is, you know, extroverted and, you know, woohoo, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it, it's a little bit of a revelation. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of woohoo, but, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. And how to support? I, I, we should read those things that you sent uh, about the, the ten, 10 ways to to uh, support an extrovert, ten ways to support an introvert. Because there were you, things about... I didn't real realize. I'll read those. Some of those. Uh, did you get that trend? I forwarded. To I you? did. I just yeah. have it. I have it open. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> how to care for introverts. Uh, one, respect their need for privacy. Two, never embarrass them in public. And I think this also is relates to like raising children that are extrovert and introvert more too. Mm-hmm. Never embarrass them in public. Let them observe first in new situations. I really like that. Give them time to think. Don't demand just instant answers. Don't interrupt them. Give them advance notice of unexpected changes in their lives. Seriously. <laughs> Give them 15-minute warnings to finish whatever they're doing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It Reprimand- works. It yeah, works. it does. <laughs> Reprimand them privately. <laughs> Teach them new skills privately. Uh, enable them to find one best friend who has similar interests and abilities. Don't push them to make lots of friends. Respect their introversion. Don't try to remake them into extroverts. Um, that's a wonderful list. Yeah. And then the other one is how to care for extroverts. Respect their independence. Compliment them in the company of others. I like that. Uh, accept and encourage their enthusiasm. Allow them to explore and talk things out. Thoughtfully surprise them. Understand when they are busy. 
Let them dive right in. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Totally. Offer them options. Make physical and verbal gestures of affection. Let them shine. Um, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What ones resonate with you, Corey, the most? Well, I think it, it was one night when we were just frantically sending each other our... <laughs> yeah. Please don't interpret me the wrong way type emails, you know, yeah, as to what yeah. an extrovert and an introvert were, because, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like... Yeah, so, I mean... You know, honestly, it's the um, allow them to, well, yeah, this is going to come as a shock to you, uh, allow them to explore and talk things out. Um, yeah. for, in, in my situation, I guess, as who I am, I, um, I sometimes have to talk to, to get to where I need to go. And um, I, I, I recognize that that can have an impact, though as far as sensory overload upon someone who's an introvert. So I've, I've been trying to be more careful with that and to slow my thoughts down because, you know, it's not like I'm manic. That's not it at all. It's just that, um, you know, I've got like 10,000 things going on in my head and it's like I need to get it down to like two. And um, maybe I can, you know, and maybe not needing 45 minutes to do that is, is a better way, you know, maybe if we can get it down to like a minute or two. Um, but that's that that burden is sort of on me because you know I'm trying to communicate something and but I, you know I'm probably doing it right now but um uh, you know I let them dive right in totally uh, especially with problem solving um yeah. and give us a project and understand we might be a little obsessive about it until it's done and then remarkably we're going to want another project and we're going to probably do the same thing and whether it be go make chocolate chip cookies uh go find new furniture um you know it's just sort of like it's a way for us to i don't know the way i look at it is like you you essentially are giving a dog like a rawhide and we're just going to sit there and gnaw on that thing and and we're going to be perfectly content to look up at you and pant and like go oh wow you're the best and then go back to you know like a rawhide and 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 then we can come to you and we're like we'll just sit next to you you know what i mean and um yeah and then obviously number nine make physical and verbal gestures of affection um i think as an as an extrovert because of it's interesting there's there's a whole element of this that we missed where there was another article talking about how the nervous systems between introverts yes. and extroverts were very different and yes. and 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 that you know we don't mean to be completely in overdrive and overwhelming you this is just kind of how we are and um it, it was very interesting to read though about like with an introvert and that to understand that there's someone who has a very different biological sort of you know imperative in, in, in wavelength and it's like once I processed that that's when I began to really sort of get it um, and 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 it's it, it's just uh, 
you know, neither one, you know, I don't think we can apply a value judgment and say, you know, better or worse or, or whatever it is. That's not it at all. I mean, it's, it's sort of like saying, you know, you have a garden full of vegetables and, you know, one is better than the other. And it's like, no, they're, they're all what they are meant to be. You know, a tomato is a tomato and a radish is a radish and, and they grow differently and they, you know, and it, but they're all vegetables, you know, and yeah. I don't know. I just pulled up that, that part about the um, nervous system thing. I'll just read it now um, yes. for people listening. Realize that introversion is not simply a personality trait. It's a nervous system setting. Here's how I like to explain it. Your nervous system is like a net that catches stimulation in your environment. Things like noise, light, words, and facial expressions. If you're an extrovert, you've got extra large holes in your net. You can handle a lot of stimulation before you get overwhelmed. <laughs> if you're in the middle of extrovert, introvert, you got an average size holes. If you're an introvert with highly sensitive nervous system, you catch everything. So you easily and quickly over get overstimulated. This is not about liking people or not. It's about biology and how your system processes your environment. Please never make an introvert feel like she's antisocial. She loves people just as much as you do. She just does it differently. Brain scans can actually show us this now. Um, and then they had, uh, Corey, didn't they have one about that? Explain that for the extrovert side, too. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah, a they, really interesting metaphor, the, the, the net, you know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. <sighs> it's been interesting to me as a parent, um, I brought this up in the past, but I have one daughter that's very much an extrovert. And then my second daughter, my oldest daughter is an extrovert. My second daughter is an introvert. And because my, my oldest daughter was obviously my first kid, I, I developed, you know, a way of relating to her that even though I'm an introvert, I was relating to her as an extrovert, you know, and, and that's kind of how she trained me to be a dad. And wow. then my second daughter came along. And so I, you know, I, this is how I was taught to be a dad is to, to be this certain way. And my second daughter would have very different reactions to that kind of uh, parenting. So for example, like with my oldest daughter, I, I can go in and I just plaster her with a kiss on her cheek and she loves it. My, you know, and just, I'll, and I'll purposefully make it like, you know, obnoxious because, you because know, <laughs> she likes the over the top. She likes being smothered. She likes, you know, um, but my younger daughter just immediately will kind of recoil and, and pull away and, you know, say, stop it. <laughs> she doesn't like it. And what I found is that, you know, with my second daughter, if I come in and just kiss her just very lightly on the cheek and then step away, mm. that given in, a, in about 15 or 20 seconds, she'll walk over to me and grab my leg and hug me. Wow. And it's, it's like, okay. you know, whereas my oldest daughter, I'll give her this big kiss on the cheek and then she'll jump on top of my stomach, you know, when I lay down on the couch. Because <laughs> you know, she just, she needs that, that physical closeness, you know. Anyway, I just, so even though I'm an introvert, it's been, I've been learning a lot about what, it, what being an introvert looks like from the, you know, from the outside as I uh, kind of get, learn my second daughter, you know. I love that story. I, that is something for me. I mean, I don't have kids and, uh, you know, I, I, um, I never thought about it in those terms, you know, that, that, um, the different personalities of your children and the different needs that they would have. It's, it's sort of a, 
I don't know. That's absolutely fascinating mm. and beautiful. Uh, it's, it is. It's wonderful. It's great being a parent. I've never seen you be a parent in action, Trent, all these years. <laughs> well, it's exciting. Let me tell you that. I, <laughs> I am. No, nah, I was just joking. It's pretty dull, I'm sure. No, 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 no. When you say when you say it like that, apparent inaction. I'm just thinking like. Well, I was thinking. I was thinking because um, Corey and I have talked a lot about this, like the importance of love, love in action, and so mm. I was thinking about your like the act of the the act for you, an action of loving your children. Is what more mm. what I was thinking about, because it's it is an action. Well, and for introverts, I think there's also love in inaction, right? In, yeah creating space and distance, you know. Tell um, me more about that. Uh, I, I think it's, let's see, uh, I, I want to refer to the list. Uh, I refer to how to care for introverts. Uh, mm -hmm. Entry one. Yes. Five, six, seven. Wow. Eight, nine, eleven. Those are all about, I think, inaction of, yeah. like, wh what does that look like literally in the moment? What that looks like is you standing still and not acting. Hmm. I like right? that. I, I really do. I mean, again, you're giving me something something else to, to think about, like a frame of reference for this. Hmm. So what would that look like for you, Trenton? Um, well, I think for the, the example I just gave is, you know, with my younger daughter is, is like the, the way I love her is just by giving her space, you know, by not kissing her or, or, or hugging her you know like being close to her the, the way I love her is I give her space let her process until she's ready to uh, to approach me I mean she desires that she desires affection she mm -hmm. desires to feel loved but she she can't receive it in the same way and she, she needs it to, to there to be more space in that interaction but Makes for me, me to oh, go ahead Oh, I was just gonna, I was going to say for me too like what I've learned with my in-laws is that when we drive up to visit them if I will just take a couple hours when we arrive to just be alone before we go in the house and start you know interacting I do much better than if we just drive straight to their house and yeah. you know, start things up because I have time to kind of collect myself and consider what's about to happen and how I'm going to relate to them and you know, I don't know. It's just that space is really important for some reason. When when you take that space, do you find that you need to move or do you need to be still? Do you know, do you need to walk in a park or do you need to sit with a book or like, how does that work for you? I think it's less about literal stillness than it is about um, uh, mental stillness, you know. So, mm -hmm. yes, uh, like yeah. what I need is to not have be surrounded by kids and my wife in, in a, an enclosed space in the car. I need to be somewhere where I have literal space, you know, so I could be walking down the sidewalk with a podcast in my ear, you know, just something where I feel like 
I can pull inside and not have to engage as much with uh, with the world surrounding me. Not have the stimulation. Yeah, the stimulation, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That all makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know that. how I don't know how two introverts would I don't think I think we're we're all designed this way differently to complement each other I think it's interesting because I don't think me being with another introvert would exactly rock my world you know <laughs> <laughs> well I, I do way. think that's that's probably part of what just is so awe-inspiring is like you see this other person and you're like how do they do that you know because yeah. it's so contrary to what you know your comfort zone you know dictates well this has been a really good conversation good hour has it been an hour already i, I know um just, i i want to ask one question before yeah, i yeah, forget yeah. i, I asked mindful of your time trend oh i appreciate that um i wanted to ask Corey. i asked sabrina in our last conversation what song she would uh she would cite to that encapsulates that moment when you first saw each other. Is or, there a song? Or when yeah. we were just together. Not, or yeah, not when you were together. Right, yeah. that, that first meeting. I just enabled Siri. She started to play songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, what song that, is not. that? I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, yeah, it's actually... Remarkably, it's the first song on the a mix CD that I, I made for her, um, and the song is called Bloom, and um, I have to go look on my other laptop because I only have six laptops open right now for work. Um, and, How much did you um, know about her before you put that on a CD? Bloom? Are you kidding me? No, that was my, that was my, uh, that was my, whatever. Okay, keep the name. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That... Yep. Go. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no, no. I, I, I. Yeah. There's the whole story of the second date and what I didn't know, and um, you know, and then the progression of that. But no, I, I just I love that song. It's a beautiful song, and and when I was trying to put a, a CD together for her, it's just that was the first thing I wanted her to sort of hear from me, like in in, in, in that song, and it's it's called Bloom. And, um, of course, I don't remember the artist right now, but um, it's a very, it's pretty much exactly what I felt the moment that I met her. <laughs> so we had this funny conversation last night about, because, you know, as Trent, you know, like I'm, a, there's a range to me, you know, and to, to think like, to find a match for myself um, in my life, like it takes a, there's a kind of a, it's a, it's a big call, you know. It's like I've got I'm a dynamic person. <laughs> There's a lot of range and to find someone who could understand that and celebrate that and also be that way and you know, really engaging for me in my mind and um and but you Corey last night you were just telling the range of, <laughs> like I like the girl that eats meatloaf with her hands. <laughs> At three o'clock in the morning, yes. Yeah, they can't yeah, yes. stop getting up and eating the apple crisp. Who wears a cheetah fuzzy thing over her eyes when she goes to sleep? It's like 
just a, just a weird gal. Just a weird, complex, you know. But uh, it's 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 very validating to feel. I feel very seen by Corey, and that's. Um, it's very. It feels very exciting, and, and the, as much as I'm very excited, it's also very. It's a calm. It's a calmness to it, and <clears throat> so. I, no I, I I echo that from my extroverted perspective. Quite honestly, to be in, to be seen by you, and and to to be seen, even though you know I, I am an extrovert, and and to for us to see each other and. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is pretty remarkable for me as well. Well, that rocked. Thank you for listening to this week, and uh, we will be back next week. We're going to talk about supplies and materials and things we like to use and make with our hands. Make sure you go to roominthetrees.com. We have some links up there for this uh, episode this week. Rate us on iTunes, and we'd love it if you would help us out by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash room. T-shirts. Check them Get out. Get them. They're really great. They're so cool. I yep. really, uh, really like how they turned out. And what should they do this week? What are they going to do? What are we, what's our send out? Oh, the, the thing is like, after we just talked about a dude who builds barns and duck runs, <laughs> it's like, you know, sorry guys. <laughs> You're just never going to match up. Go and hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Perfect.